I would invite you to remain, uh, remain standing in body or spirit, and I wish I could bring you donuts as well today, but instead I'll just have to bring you a sermon. But I do have something uh, good to share with you. Perhaps uh, you received communication from uh, the church this week, but uh, our new pastor here, beginning uh, the 1st of July, will be Reverend uh, Holly Gatelli. Holly is uh, currently pastor in Flower Mound, Texas. Some of you know that I mentor uh, some younger pastors from across the state of Texas, and uh, a few of them are in the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area, and they both uh, called me immediately upon hearing the news and uh, told us uh, and told me to tell you how fortunate we are that Holly will be uh, coming here as our pastor. But then they quickly added and they said, but from what you've told us as well, we know that she is lucky to be among you. So I think we'll both uh, as a congregation and new pastor uh, be uh, very fortunate as uh, God moves us forward. And also uh, in the past week, I found out that uh, my new assignment will be in uh, Manshack United Methodist Church, which is in the south side of Austin. And Pam and I look forward to that opportunity as well. And uh, as we are prepared to uh, come to the Word of God, let's do so very likely as Jesus and the disciples would have reciting what he called the great commandment, what they called in Hebrew the Shema. If you'll follow after me in Hebrew, we'll join together in English. Shema Israel. Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai Had. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. The scripture this morning is uh, the account of the temptation of Jesus in Matthew 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and let him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. He will concern his angels, uh, command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up on their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him. It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. As Dan was uh, talking with the children about temptation, one of the things that came to my mind uh, had come to mind earlier in the week, and that oftentimes temptation uh, is sort of caricatured or cartooned as if we're facing uh, an issue, then we've got uh, uh, an angel on one shoulder telling us what to do and uh, a devil on another shoulder telling us to do the opposite uh, thing. And uh, I'm not saying that that's incorrect, but I would would say I'd 
make three adjustments as we think about um, that picture. The first one is, my experience is that most of the time, my temptations are going to start within. That usually for me, it's not an audible voice telling me, why don't you do this or do that? But usually it's something that comes uh, from within me. Uh, I can't help but think of uh, the late uh, writer Oscar Wilde who used to said, who used to say, I can resist anything except temptation. Or the cartoon I saw once when a person uh, reciting the Lord's Prayer said, lead me not into temptation. I'm pretty good at finding it myself. (laughs) Or my favorite one, some of you may remember several decades ago, the comic strip Pogo, playing on the U.S. commander who after a victory said, "Uh, we've met the enemy and they are ours. Uh, You might remember the comic strip said, we have met the enemy and they are us. And I think so oftentimes uh, the source ends up being somehow within me. Another adjustment I'd make to how we sometimes think about temptation is that it's usually not because we are weak. It's not because uh, we are weak and inadequate and we get tempted. But typically in the Bible, it's, uh, there's not a temptation if you're going to do wrong anyway or if you're predisposed to do that. The temptation comes to those who are strong. In our story this morning, Jesus is getting tempted. He's pretty strong. Jesus has got it together, and yet he faces temptation. In the wilderness, Uh, Israel faced almost the same three temptations that Jesus does in the wilderness. Uh, They're faced with the temptation of hunger, and they're hungry and they complain. Uh, They're faced with the temptation to test God, and in Exodus 17, they test test God. And then they're faced with the temptation to worship the wrong thing, and they get that with a golden calf. But it's not because Israel's weak. They've come through the Red Sea. They have survived all these plagues. It's at the point of their strength that they get tempted. So when you face temptation, it probably means you're on the right track, not that you are on the wrong track or that you are a weak person. And then the final thing is that usually I believe that the temptation is rarely to do something wrong or unhelpful, but most of the time in my world, the temptation is to do something good, and that's what makes it so tempting. Think about Adam and Eve in the garden. They are told about the fruit of the tree. They can't eat of it because if they, and they are told though, if they eat of the fruit, it will make them, anybody remember? It will make them wise. Is wisdom a bad thing? Yeah, have you met some people in this world who might be benefit from some wisdom? Uh, it's a good thing, but in their effort to get it, they go about getting something good, but in the wrong way way. Uh, usually the question put uh, that by the tempter to me is never, would you like to do something bad? The question is, would you like to do something really good? But if it's really good, but it's not from God, that's what makes it uh, a temptation. And that's part of the difficulty. So we have this amazing story this morning of Jesus facing three difficult temptations to do three really good things. And again, as I, last week, I would want to go back to uh, the late Henry Nowen, who just had a great way of uh, saying things pretty succinctly. And he talks about the first temptation to turn stones into bread. He said, it's the temptation to be relevant. You know, the temptation to kind of give everybody what they need, because I'm going to tell you two facts. The first is the fact about ancient Israel. There's a lot of poor people. 
Typically, estimates from scholars are 80 to 85% of the people living in Israel at the time of Jesus, peasants are dirt poor. They are hungry. Then I'm going to give you a geological fact about Israel. Israel's all rocks. It's about 90% rock when you go there. So imagine if you've got hungry people and rocks that you can turn into bread, that seems to be a match made in heaven unless God has not told you to do that. So the temptation sometimes is to be relevant and to give people what we think they need, but not what perhaps God has told us to give them. Another temptation, uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus is taken to the top of the temple. Now, the temple is built on top of a man-made hill called the Temple Mount. So there's elevation from the ground to the top of this mountain, and then the temple's on top of it, and the temple and the mountain overlook a valley. So if Jesus jumps down, well, let me put it this way, it's a long way down. And I know that when somebody in the NCAA basketball tournament does something particularly athletic, we get at least 12 replays of it. Can you imagine jumping down all those many stories to the bottom and not getting a single scratch? It is the temptation, uh, says now, and to be popular or spectacular in such a way that you will draw a crowd. Imagine if you can do that. And don't we want a crowd to follow Jesus? I mean, don't we want a lot of people to notice him? It's very tempting, but it's not what God had asked him to do. And then the third temptation and Alan says is that uh, it's a temptation to, be, to gain power immediately, to be powerful and to achieve uh, good ends, but not using God's means. Because Jesus came so that we would worship God. And Jesus, of course, as the Son of God, it, uh, is to be worshiped. And so the, the devil just basically says, let's take a shortcut. I can make everybody worship you right now. The temptation is to do something really good, but it's not the way that God intends. And it seems to me that good Christians throughout the centuries have always fallen for this one temptation. The temptation, I would say, is to give up uh, what is rightfully ours, which is the power of influence, and trade it in for the power of coercion. Uh, so that we, we are meant to be on this earth to live in such a way that people will go, oh yeah, we sh- that way makes sense. We eventually, uh, they come to follow that way, but instead we want to trade it in and see if we can vote in the right behavior. Or we can set a law that will make people behave correctly and we will trade the power of influence for the power of coercion. And it has never worked in human history. It just doesn't work for the people of God to make that deal. Because for God, uh, it does matter how we get to God's ends. And I'm only here several more weeks. Send me the email if you want. But I'm going to tell you, both sides of the political spectrum believe this, that the, that the um, ends justify the means. Friends, you couldn't be more wrong. I don't care which side you're on. But when your candidate engages in taunting the other candidate or uses methods of threatening or coercion uh, or manipulation, either side, it's just not what God intended God's ways be the way that we get to whatever good end that we will come to. And that's the problem with all temptations. They're a shortcut. They're a shortcut to do what God would have done, but not in the way God would have it be done. It's basically Jesus is supposed to go on a journey to Jerusalem through the cross to get to the throne. And yet 
he is offered by Satan in a way that where you don't have any nails in the hands. Let's just take a shortcut to be worshipped. I think most every temptation to do good just amounts to that. We, we don't want to take the long route. And I don't blame us. The long route is difficult. The long route is painful. The long route is not, ob- our, in, in the long route, the, the wisdom of our uh, biblical position is not immediately understood by everybody around us. There are all sorts of reasons why we just want to take the short route and make people get it. But it's just not the way God typically operates. The rabbis used to tell a parable, and Jesus knew it because he tells variations of this parable. It was about a man sitting outside a town a little bit of distance, and, and, it's, and the road split two ways. And so travelers would come to the man, they'd say, which way into town? And he said, well, he said, you can go this way, he said, and it's a wide kind of road. He said, it's really easy for the most part, and then it gets really difficult. He said, or, and he points to a narrow road that's already uh, got rocks, it's got a thicket, and he said, and there's another road that's very difficult when it starts out, but if you stay with it, it will be broad, and you will make it into the village. And nearly every person chooses the one that starts out easy at first, only to find out they get entangled, and they never make it to their destination. God's way is typically appears to be the more difficult way because we have to be patient and we have to trust. But God's way eventually gets us there. The the father of our faith and the mother of our faith are Abraham and Sarah. And they were promised a child. And do you remember one day they got tired of waiting? And so Abraham was given his maid to be his bride, a second bride and have a child. And that child was named Ishmael. They thought they would help God out and go ahead and get to God's destination and do it their own way. And of course, as we know, eventually they had their own child, Isaac. And Isaac and Ishmael end up being two uh, different streams, in a sense. Uh, One of them uh, had started out um, as our effort to help God out. And the other one, in time, became the way that God worked, at least through the patriarchs. And I think we're always faced with that decision, when the way is difficult, when it's painful, when it it promises a difficult journey and maybe even a cross, we're tempted to do it a different way uh, and save ourselves time and energy and hopefully get to God's destination anyway. That's what makes all temptations good, but that's what makes them in the long run really something bad. Um, and I, I would just tell you that it, it's hard for me to know why God usually makes us go the difficult way on everything. Um, I, there are a couple things I can think of that happen in the wilderness. One is typically in temptation, you find out about the nature of your heart. And so Dan talked with the children about the heart, and that's exactly where the answer to temptation uh, will be found. And sometimes we don't know our heart when everything is smooth and easy and clear sailing. But when we bump up against stuff and it starts to get rough, uh, the nature of our faith and the nature of our heart gets to be revealed to us. And the other thing is just this, all the way through the Bible, uh, from um, Moses and the people in the wilderness, uh, to David in his time on the run in the wilderness, to Elijah in the wilderness, to um, Jesus in the wilderness, to Paul in Arabia, every time you find a great leader going through the wilderness, they always find that in the wilderness is the place where they may be tested, but the answer is always this. In the test, God proves faithful. 
In the test, if you will trust and hang on, God will bless you and will provide for you in God's time and in God's way. And I wish it'd be a shorter journey, but sometimes I wonder that maybe if we made the journey quicker, we wouldn't be ready for the destination. I think about the great story of Joseph. Do you remember Joseph, the coat of many colors, has this dream that his brothers are going to bow down, that, that he, to him he's going to be significant, and he ends up in slavery, and then he ends up in prison. And then by the time he's navigated his way to the bottom of the prison, he's learned the Egyptian language, He's learned to trust God for the interpretation of dreams, and he's learned how to administrate large uh, uh, organizations. And then finally, he's called up forward and becomes second in command uh, for Pharaoh. Thirteen years earlier, when he was wearing his coat of many colors, telling on his brothers, he was not ready to command Egypt and to save the world from hunger. Sometimes our delay may actually serve a godly purpose. And so for me, how do I recognize temptation? It's to do something that's really good, but it may not be God's. And so what I need more than anything else in that temptation is I need to learn to trust God because temptation basically says you can't trust God. You need to go ahead and do this on your own. Take it into your own hands. And so for me, the best thing to do in the wilderness has always been to grow closer to God. I find that I never have the power within me to say no to temptation unless I can first say yes to a loving relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So as I think about the future for us as a church, for me as a pastor, I I don't know the what's. I don't know what's coming. And when those things come, most time I don't even know the why. But what I can determine right now is I will always know the who. Who stands with me? Who will guide me and lead me to wherever I'm supposed to be? And if I know the who, that will be more than enough.